welcome to the Fargo podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Fargo on FX. Uh, I'm Jim. Is it FX? I'm Aaron. Am I? Uh, FX on Hulu. Okay. <laughs> if you want to cover all of our bases. That's where I watched it. Uh, I know you can watch it live on FX at 9 p.m. on Sundays, but I unfortunately don't have that luxury. Hulu's a weird way to spell DVR. Um, <laughs> I d- d- don't understand how you get that pronunciation from it, but... Uh... So we're Whatever. here today to talk about the first two episodes of the season, which both aired Sunday night back to back. First one's called Welcome to the Alternate Economy. The second one's called The Land of Taking and Killing. Uh, Aaron, it, it's been like a year and a half. We talked a little bit about this in the preview, how long it's been. Uh, so, sorry, not a year and a half, uh, three years since this show has been on the air. Uh, what are you, how are you feeling about Fargo after the first two episodes? I loved having Fargo back. It's very hard to find this blend of like drama and comedy, sometimes really broad comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. it must be said. Um, and just the style that Noah Hawley brings to the proceedings, not just visually, but sonically, like the music uh, of Fargo is it's uh, a work unto itself. Um I really enjoyed it. I do feel like it's going to take a long time to get my hands on all of the characters because this is a Game of Thrones situation where you have, you know, multiple competing families in a struggle and they've all got intergenerational alliances going. Uh, you know, we're just scraping the surface of the police side of the Fargo equation. Um, so there's going to be a lot of, okay, well, I got Roy Cannon and I got uh, uh, Jodo uh, Fada down, but you get to the, you get, you get pretty, you get halfway down the bench on either side and I'm like, okay, you got Dr. Senator. It's hard to forget that name. Sure, yeah, it's a good one. Gaetano, I, I think I got that under my belt, but boy, it gets Satchel. I think there's a Satchel in there. There's a Swanee. There's, there's a lot of improbably named people and um, they're all very colorful and uh distinct and because of that very hard to keep track of so um but yeah no i I really liked it it felt it felt it felt really good to watch what'd you think uh yeah i i'm the same way this is maybe the most intrinsically interesting uh fargo season for me being Hmm. uh somebody who's really into you know the italian american experience as told through cinema um yeah sure you know the Godfather, uh, we just did a Goodfellas review not too long ago. La Familia, I get it. It speaks to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, so like, you know, and also someone who lives in the Midwest, so it's got this like, yeah, know, vaguely, this is a little more uh, Southern, right? Like this takes place in Kansas City, Missouri, which I think in previous seasons we've we've heard about the Casey mob. Um, maybe Yeah, the Kansas City Mafia. Yeah, where Mike Milligan and the Kitchen Boys come from, which is interesting, given Rabbi Milligan. Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, I I think it it works here. You know, it's 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 telling this multi generational story too, um, and and it's one that's remarkably modern i i don't know it's it's something we're we're still struggling with right this idea of like americans being a nation of immigrants and what that even means and a lot of the narration that uh ethel rita has uh 
throughout the beginning of this series is kind of setting the stage for that conversation. And it's it's one yeah. that yeah, I find interesting. Uh-huh. Uh and, yeah, and like um, like you said, it, it's just this show kind of is effortless to watch. Like it's always keeping you entertained either through the comedy or the drama uh that's putting on screen and I I don't know, every every time I come back to Fargo, I'm just like, "Oh yeah, this feels warm and cozy." Even when people right. are being murdered. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I do like it. I do miss um Really, we've got Nurse uh, Mayflower, right? That's her name. She's the only one that's kind of representing the stock Fargo accent that I've come to to know and love. And I do yeah. miss that, but I'm glad we have Nurse Mayflower kind of uh, a prominent representative of that because I do. There is something kind of sing song and musically about the. Uh, I think there's there's poetry there. When you have the Minnesota nice accent being employed for like murder and deception Absolutely. and thievery. Uh, and you, you get a little because like, you know, Nurse Mayflower, not really that nice uh, no, very under the nice. surface. But but, but yeah, I, I do. I, I do. I do miss all the people talking funny. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think they needed that. Um, I, I don't know if it feels like Fargo without that accent. Mm hmm. So, yeah. Do you think Missouri is a southern state? Because I always think it's solidly Midwestern. Like, say, it's, you it's know, that St. Borderline Louis, Midwestern town, Kansas City. It, yeah. I, I would not call it solidly Midwestern. I would call it borderline between like Midwestern and Southern. Mid Midwestern? S- <laughs> Central Western? Western? I, I don't know. S- South Central Western? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, it takes place uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, and it takes place from. You know the 1900s to the the mid 1900s. Um, mm-hmm. They they start with this kind of montage that shows us uh, these these child exchanges, these keeping of the peace ceremonies uh, and rituals that these different crime families have, uh, these different gangs. And it goes back to the 1900s when you know the Hebrews, the Jews ran uh, the the organized crime aspects. Of America, the the Moskowitz gang, yeah, takes us through to the Irish taking over in the twenties, um, and then the Italians taking them over in the fifties or the forties, uh, mm-hmm. and then you know eventually we get to the Black Mafia, which is is kind of where the story I think in bulk is going to take place in the nineteen fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, it it yeah, really no, sets a-, a, a stage of like. The players change, the game never does, you know? Right, right. And they, they make a point of that, that, like, uh, the people fresh off the boats, you know, America, nation of immigrants, uh, the people fresh off the boats immediately go to war with the people that were off the boats ahead of them because right. they come to the shores, the, clo- the, the doors of the regular economy and commerce are closed to them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, th- and I saw a lot of stuff in, in researching, reading the the behind the scenes and stuff that there's, um, you know, a, a long history of uh, discrimination against immigrants in this country. You know, like there's people had uh, signs like what was it? No, uh, there was like an acronym called Nina. No Irish need apply in shop windows um, hmm. when, you know, uh, and there's th- that that came back with like the Italians as well, because, you know, it's. It, uh, it, it's handy that Irish and Italian stand, uh, uh, 
it is it had the same same initial letter so sure. you don't have to change the acronym just you know irish no italians need to apply um you know i it's funny because like um you know every time you have a show we saw this with watchmen we'll probably see it till the end of time uh anytime you have a show that touches on social issues especially racism in america people get upset about it mm-hmm. um you know, I don't. I don't know that I have a lot to talk about the comment social commentary because I we, we started this network called Swizzbold where we talk about politics all the time, and I did a whole episode on this very topic: what what whiteness means, what what it means to become a naturalized American. That process that happens. I, I I viewed it through the lens of my family's um, struggle being German immigrants. Um, it's the third episode, three I turned six, the unbearable whiteness of being. If you want to check it out, but like. I mean, it's it's all here. I think the people that get upset seem like um, they they say that it's shoehorned because people in the fifties wouldn't talk this way. That this was like a historical opinions for like a little girl to have, or people, you know, like a a black gangster and an a, a Italian gangster. I don't find that very persuasive. Um, this episode quotes Frederick Douglass, mm-hmm. who was an escaped slave, speaking very. Uh, passionately and eloquently about his status as a thief and a robber in society since he stole his his head his head uh, legs and body from his master and made off with these ill-gotten goods like no they're they they've always been very whip smart and and sharp people um talking about the bullshit that is the 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 racial discrimination system in america and that, so, that kind of leans into the idea of the the victors writing the history right like the, right you know because uh the the people who did came out of that uh you know with power they've kind right. of you know portrayed this image as like oh back then it was all fine nobody was thinking that way you know and yeah it's it's just, actually just not the... true and and also to try and like blanket say that no one thought this way uh is foolish right. in any time period right everybody thinks differently all the time yeah, and this podcast, like, it's it's living proof. Like, you know, you and I are white, seen by white across all America, but yet you are the son of Italian immigrants. I'm the son mm-hmm. of German immigrants. A hundred years ago, that we would not be considered, certainly not uh, like like the the hospital administrator, uh, you know, not not uh, Protestant white, surely not. Right. So um, it's a historical fact, and people are either uncomfortable with it or comfortable with it. And I find the people that are uncomfortable with it probably have a lot of unexamined <laughs> uh, privilege in their life, maybe, to, yeah. to, to throw out another word that pisses off people. <laughs> but yeah, it's I, I thought it's really engaging and smart and, 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 and neat and, uh, um, as you say, interesting. And um, I thought it was very well, like all this stuff was like through the lit... Like 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 communicating this all through a fairly entertaining, essentially play that you see where you've got the Moskowitzes giving way to the Milligans, giving way to the Fadas, giving way to maybe the Cannons. Um, yeah, we're kind of in the middle of that. We're plopped down right in the center. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I thought it's uh, it's great. Um, mm-hmm. The other big criticism I saw coming out of this, if I you know judge by the message boards and whatnot and the Reddits of the world, is. Uh, the the sidewalk scene the crosswalk scene oh um, see i love that that's to me that made this scene that that made this first episode i do think this is kind of like are you a beatles fan or are you an elvis fan type of question like it gets to the type of person you are did you enjoy the fart attack absolutely that uh, that don fada suffered in this episode or or didn't you because the thing is is what i loved about it 
is it works as just a pure drama. Like I was yeah. like on the edge of my seat. Um, you know, You're waiting. Seeing the guys notice the the people in the crosswalk, right? Get out of the car and prep for a gunfight. It's it's a lot of tension. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, 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 the way they developed it, you got the kids like shooting guns, but they're not real guns. You got the guys crossing the streets, reaching in their pocket. Um, that also, like, I'm surprised there wasn't any commentary about how what was going through my mind is like the crazy restraint these guys are showing. You know, like like they're in this really tense situation. They're fearing for the life. People all the all around are splashing fake guns and and real guns and reaching into pockets and and nobody's actually shooting first. And then yeah. this this just this guy starts having his heart attack and you think oh that's going to be the thing right. And then he just cuts loose with this long crazy <laughs> cinematic fart. And all of that yeah. tension just gets manufactured to me and just gut-busting laughter, just the way it goes on. Uh-huh. Jason Schwartzman rolling the window down and hanging his head out the way. And, and, and then from that tragedy, a, an errant BB gun goes and nicks this guy in the artery, and suddenly everything that we were worried about is that all hell breaking loose happening anyway, but just not in the way... I, I don't know. Like I think that's alchemy. That's turning lead to gold when you can yeah. generate... Tension into laughter, back right into tension. I, it's it's a magic trick, and I I loved it. But a lot of people, a lot of people hated it. I mean, look, a lot of people loved the aliens landing at the end of season two, right? Uh, sure, we yeah. notoriously did not like that. So, you know, there's no accounting for taste. Um, nope. You you like something or you don't, and you know. It's, it, I, I, I don't want to give people too much shit. I personally loved it. I thought the subversion there, like the triple sub- layered subversion uh, really did it for me. And that release of tension with the release of the gas uh, was perfect. Yeah. Did you have any problems buying that uh, BB gun with Nick and artery in such yeah, a way? But, but did I, you really, I don't care. That's Fargo. Like, okay. Okay. Like if if the the only doubt in my mind as a person who got like a whole rip through him by BB gun back in my when I was thirteen or fourteen, uh, the only doubt in my mind was it it went through a a glass window. Uh Like I would imagine that would take a lot if it would just hit him right in the artery. Hell yeah, that could hurt. That 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 could. I thought so because they they showed this little tiny pinhole, right? But that's what that's what I thought it was going to be. But then they actually showed this little tiny pinhole in in that little those weird little triangular dividing windows they have in old cars. Yeah, yeah. That you could probably crank out, you know. Um, it it went through that and got him. So like that seemed hard to believe. But you know what? The world's full of freak shit that happens, and uh, I I realize I'm making the exact same argument about the fucking. Uh, fish natos and uh-huh. the, and the the alien stuff. You know the world's full. How can you say for sure? But like, yeah, this is uh, if if you don't if you don't like this, I understand because I didn't like some of the zigs the Fargo's served yeah. up over the years. But this one was right down. Plus, I also think that um, we feel we'd be feeling different about this if this was episode eight, right? Oh, and like sure, yeah. like Loy Cannon gets killed by an outrageous fart attack, improbable pellet. Incident, but as an inciting act, that mm-hmm. kind of randomness, that yeah, I felt it, it felt good. And again, yeah. man, I laughed as hard as I've laughed all year at that fart. Holy moly! Yeah, oh, that is fantastic. Uh, one fantastic fart. Uh, so you want to talk maybe about some of the characters, uh, some of the main characters? Because you mentioned the nurse, and I feel like she is uh, 
a character that we've seen ish in Fargo um, before. Yeah. Like, like she's akin to a Lauren Malva, right? She's the agent of chaos, the the angel of death, that sort of thing. Um, that well, supernatural and, and, force that that always comes through in in some way in a Coen Brothers film. Yeah, and we talked about uh, how Raising Arizona was one of the inspirations this year. And I mentioned, right. I wonder if we'll see that like nefarious, supernatural, evil entity that was like uh, that that biker. I looked him up as Leonard Smalls is his name of his character. Okay, a Lord Malvo. And again, Lord Malvo. These people weren't literally like Batwing, smoke and brimstone, satanic. It's just they're evil. And there's a couple of scenes that might imply that there is a little bit more than just the laws of physics governing them. I remember like, you yeah. know, in, in previous season, like Lauren Malvo goes into a room that had like somehow gets in a room that had no exits, cuts the lights. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I felt like the basement. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like this nurse, like she's openly saying she's the angel of death. Right. Yeah. And that scene where she comes out of that bus late at night is like, it's filmed like you're seeing an entity coming out of a portal from hell like a, a, an alternate dark dimension and just, she's got the prim uniform, all that stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that she might be this, this, uh, slightly supernatural flavored character that, that I, I was looking for. I find that interesting because like her Midwestern, you know, accent and the, the manners that, you know, typically come along with that, uh, in, in, you know, pop culture and, and, you know, somewhat the real culture uh sort of belie her her underlying nastiness right um the racism sure. that she clearly exemplifies um yeah so many of the other things that are just wrong about her as a person um it it i don't know in, in a a show that's you know clearly going to be about a bunch of bad people doing bad things uh mm-hmm. I, I feel like she's going to be the the person who is like ha- has this like good mannered uh affectation that mm. is also doing the bad things right so you can sort of see like oh not all bad people present as very bad people yeah because she's very careful to in fact i thought they were going to play that racism as oblivious as obliviousness like when she had this the scene where we she meets Ethelita one of the other main main characters of the show. And, uh, you know, she's got black dad, or I'm sorry, white dad, black mom. Mm-hmm. And the dad introduces herself as because she's, uh, you know, she's a nurse and she's such a caring, loving nurse that she shows up to the funerals of her patients. Um, what a great, what a great gal. Sure. Um, but there's this like long comic beat where she's looking between Alpharita and her father and back and forth and back and forth. And then she goes, oh, now I see it. And I thought there is going to play like Minnesota nice. Like, oh, I see the family. It's got nonsensical non sequitur. Mm-hmm. Um, you betcha. I see it. And then she just then rolls on with, like, you're the project of miscegenation. I can't. It's an old I... fuddy-duddy racist term. It means intermixing of races. Yeah. Uh and then says a whole bunch of other racist shit right on top of it. And her father, I don't know. It's in, like I said, there's so much like commentary here with the dad kind of um, not excusing it, but like uh, you know, doing the well-meaning thing of like, oh, you know, they're missed. Instead of being like, hey, kid, you know, that was super racist, and she was racist right to your face. Try to be like, oh, you know, she's a weirdo and she's misunderstood, and she says a bunch of silly stuff. 
Yeah, th- there's another scene there um, where she's at the dinner table and she's noticed uh, some strange men in the house. She asks about it and her parents just tell her, look, don't don't think about that. Uh, don't concern yourself with it. We'll take care of it. We're your parents, you know, uh, just I don't know. They they try and keep her out of the loop on that stuff. And, you know, rightfully so. I think she's 16 year old years old. That's really their prerogative to do that. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. It, it's it's a weird sort of like sheltering her from the realities of the world. Even though it, it doesn't seem to have worked, right? Like she seems very world uh, world wise. Um, she speaks many different languages. That's another thing I like that they're doing with Orietta and uh, Ethelreda is they both seem to be equally capable. Um, you know, they're both speaking French, like they're putting them on the same level there. And then one of them just has this superior attitude. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of um, the scenes in Tombstone where you've got uh, Doc Holliday and there's this, uh, I forget the guy's name. He's played by the the dude that James Cameron loves, uh, <laughs> Michael Bain. Um, but the, they're, they're these kind of both gangsters and Doc Holliday, but, you know, he's a doctor, he's a dentist, I guess, and he's got an education, um, and uh, he speaks Latin to this guy as a way to shine him on, and the guy speaks Latin back, and suddenly, because he's saying, he was debating, he's like, I'm not sure if I like this guy or not, and then when the guy speaks Latin back, he's like, nope, I've decided I hate him. Yeah. Like, it's that kind of thing where, you know, Nurse Mayflower retreats to this. Uh, she's got th- several defenses. The first line is her Minnesota nice. When that fails, she has this intellectual superiority she retreats to. And then when you chase her back into that, then the real nasty comes out. Yeah. And to the extent that, that Nurse Mayflower seems to be racist, which is a pretty big extent, I feel like the fact that this is a little this is a this is a young black girl coming at her with these intellectual weapons is like really provocative. And it's even something Ethelreda says, like uh, the only thing worse than being, uh, uh, was it a, a Negro, a disreputable Negro is to be an upstanding one. Yeah. You know, like those are the two, those are the two targets that you can place on your back here in America. And uh, unfortunately, like that's that, that fucking shit heated up real quick. Uh, by the end of the episode two, she's making a poison pie. Um, yeah, let's maybe talk about that. She she's making you know Ethelreda and, and you know by extension the Smutney family her project as she says, mm-hmm. and in that Lauren Malvo way, like that agent of chaos, um, like Lauren Malvo strolls through a parking lot and tells a kid he probably needs to piss in his mom's gas tank, right? And the kid goes and does uh-huh. it. This feels a little bit like that um, with this mm. pie. I don't know what her her longer term game plan is. But this pie seems almost like a just this petty spite thing that it, I, I don't quite get. But I, I'm interested to see where they go with it. Yeah, because I did some research. The syrup of Apicac um, is a discontinued product that they used to give to children to get them to vomit. Yeah. Um, like, you know, supposedly if a, hey, you know, Billy ate a Tide Pod, you know, give him some Epicac and he'll spit it all out. Um, mm-hmm. that turns out that that's like bad medicine. You, 
Uh, it, it's not very effective at clearing the system of toxins. Um, if it's something caustic, you don't want to bring it back up. You want to absorb it with charcoal or dilute it. There's all kinds of modern ways you got to do that. But like, you don't want people usually and, and mostly it got associated with uh, a lot of like a Manchouser by proxy syndrome where, uh, you know, adults would give children this, um, and make them ill on command essentially in the guise of giving them medicine. Um, and it's also got attached to a lot of bulimic people who wanted to, to the you know, this is, I guess, a VM Varga uh, tie-in. Uh, but you can't buy it now because it, it just didn't have any therapeutic use. And it's it's poisonous in large doses. Um, the dose to get an adult to vomit is like one to two tablespoons. And it doesn't seem like she added that much to the pie. But what would probably happen is that, like, it would cause everyone in the house to, like, have belly ache or cramps. And there's some people suggesting that maybe this uh, is her way of. Yeah, you think you think that the. I, I Look, this is television. This is not a scientific documentary. Um, let's. Epicac True. is known, you know, in pop culture, in common. To make you sick. Yeah, it, it makes you vomit. That's the point mm. of Epicac uh, to the vast majority of people. That's what they're doing here, right? But to what end is Mayflower doing? Is it is it just know. something she's doing to be cruel? Or like some people suggested, I saw an idea, there's a theory that she's going to make the whole house sick so that they, hey, you know that weird white lady, she's a nurse, maybe she can help us. And then that will, you know, get her okay. fir- more firmly entwisted in the family. But I feel like that's 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 not what I would do if some weird white lady creepy white lady stepping out of a hell bus gave me a pie after having these yeah. weird relations with me and then everyone in the family got sick after eating that pie i'd be like nah the weird white lady's out to get us but yeah. you, like you said it's a tv show i'm, I'm not sure if everyone's going to behave uh that rationally i mean you, i could totally see that reaction because yeah that's what i'd have too you keep mentioning the the lorne malvo and i know like this you know um this is a this is an anthology, so you don't really need to see any of the other seasons to understand any of the other seasons. But there are, you know, like uh, the, the, there are echoes that go backwards and forwards. Um, one of them that I think ties Mayflower to the Lorne Malvo type of character is in the scene where she meets Johto. Um, and she's kind of taking care of him, subscribe, prescribing him all these, you know, illegal medications. Uh, he says the word aces to her. Uh, when she says <laughs> okay. that she's going to take care of her dad, which is, you know, that that was one of Mal- Malvo's catchphrases too. So I, I think that really does kind of make her into this the the the, the dark supernatural type ish character. Yeah. The other thing, um, there's a scene in the end of this first episode where you know she gets off the hell bus. Um, uh, Ethel Reed is out on the front porch. Uh, it's freezing cold. Her dad comes out and kind of like comforts her, says he's going to read The Wizard of Oz. And then it pans up and over to this very impressive, visually interesting yellow building. And Ethel's at the top, or not Ethel, um, Nurse Mayflower's at the top. She's muttering to herself. Um, but when they pan across the street, there is a dude, a creepy dude, standing in the middle of this street that the camera just kind of pans over. Hmm. A lot of people missed it. I did, but. Yeah. I'm wondering if there is some kind of... Uh, I do think that person's supposed to, supposed to be noticed. Um, some person pointed out, and I went back and rewound it, and I kind of heard it, that there is, when the camera pans over this person, like the sound of like an, a, a rope swinging. Um, you know, the sound like a, like, a, like a thick rope makes when it's nodding and, you know. And they just mentioned the Wizard of Oz in the scene before. 
because that's what her dad wanted to read. And do you know the lore of Wizard of Oz, uh, that there's like this uh, this urban legend about one of the dwarfs, uh, one of the little people actors that was in the lollipop gig, hanging himself on set, and you can st- you can actually see him swinging in the background of some of these scenes. Have I you heard of this? I have heard that, yeah. Um, some people theorize that there's a connection there. Um, I don't know. If I had to guess, I'd say it's Timothy Oliphant casing the place. Uh, from what I'd seen from this the second episode, right? Mm-hmm. But I just want to throw that out. If you wanted to go and do some frame by frame analysis and some sound analysis and and come up with a theory about how a haunted little little person lollipop guild could come back and form an alliance with this evil demon nurse, then please send that into Fargo at ballboob.com. I'd love to hear it. But sure. uh, <laughs> um, there are other supernatural type elements around her, like the. There's the scene, you know, that was in the trailers and actually most of, if not everything in the trailer was in these first two episodes. Um, so you have Which I always of, love seeing. I, I always know, love you seeing got a lot that. of new yeah. material that we're going to get for the next. Right, eight, right. Six, 18 episodes. I have no idea how many. Uh, but yeah, it's it's the scene where um, they're, you know, J- Jason Schwartzman asks, hey, you got any drugs? They go back into this room and they do drugs together. Mm-hmm, uh, sure. And then there's an exchange between them that is very like Italian mafia coded language. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's in a lot of pain. Uh, you know, it's it's it, 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 make sure you take care of him, right? Like that kind sure. of stuff. Which a normal nurse would not would not read into that. Probably even even if she knew, oh, these guys are Italian, they're mafia. Normal nurse probably not going to read into that and go kill the guy. Uh, this nurse does but when she's in that room she walks in and i get the impression that he's in like a coma or something she walks mm-hmm. in she, she says one word to him the guy in the corner is asleep the entire time yes uh, she makes no effort unable to, be to wake up uh mm-hmm. and, and and she wakes this man with a single word and i think that's supposed to give you like this supernatural feeling to her one other thing I have a question about Nurse Mayflower is, you know, she's got two interactions of note, one with Ethel Rita and one with Jodo. I agree with you. Do, do you actually think that Jodo meant to suggest that someone should take care of his father? I think they played it that way. But, but I'm here's not the, sure. the Yeah. She heard that message delivered on the goods, which she might have done anyway, because that's kind of her shtick, it seems like. Yeah. Um, But then she tries at the funeral to, like, press Jodo about it. Like, hey, I did that favor for you. We should talk about it. And he completely rebuffs her. Uh, That can't be good, right? Yeah. If if this is some warlock witch type character uh, that you owe a favor to, and you just like fucking slam the door shut on her, that's that's not. There's going to be some boil, boil, toil, and trouble uh, in in your future, I would think. Right. Yeah. It, I I don't know. I'm interested to see how the Italian versus Black Mafia thing goes, uh, but I don't think it's going to go the Italian way. <laughs> yeah, given <laughs> right, you know right. what we know about our actual modern history. Yeah, what do, what do you think is going to come of her being fired from her the hospital Saint Barth- Bartholomew? I don't know because she immediately goes in on this this project uh, against the Smutneys that she got that she's got. So yeah. I, I don't know she's... if she needs money. I don't know if she you know is just yeah. Uh, we'll see. 
We'll see. I really don't know. I wonder if it's going to go because also Johto said, you know, we're going to talk about this eventually, I imagine. But Johto got uh, rebuked by uh, my man. Uh, is it Jack Houston? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't I don't even know if they've established his name. The the real twitchy uh, OCD police officer on the Johto, on the, the FATA payroll. Yeah. Um, he gets rebuked for like, hey, you can't take this open action against this. uh uh, was this name really Harvard? Is that this guy's name? The doc, the the hospital administrator. Uh, I don't know. I know him as hospital um, administrator. The the hospital administrator. You can't take direct action against them. Uh, but we also know that Nurse Mayflower is going to have two months of severance and a glowing recommendation from Saint Bartholomew. Fair. I wonder if she's going to wind herself over there and she's going to exact some kind of revenge on him that way. Could be, um, but then that'd, that'd be Jodo cashing in another favor, and then what? Where, where is this all leading to? What she want from him? That's that's what I think is going to be really interesting. Yeah, how, how many deals can you make with the devil before he claims your soul? Have have we mined all the stuff out of uh, Nurse Nurse Mayflower? It she's into astrology. Is that a thing in yeah. any other Coen Brothers films? Is I is this pulling from know. something? Okay. I don't know I nothing. Either. I've not, nothing off the top of my head. It might be a commentary in the how that like. Uh, I feel like astrology is really making a comeback in the last few years. I notice a lot of the young my my the friends that I roll with and in the the Gen X and Millennial cohort. Um, a lot of people mm-hmm. are taking an interest in astrology, and it's one of those things that kind of like I cock my eyebrow at because like everyone says it's everyone says they're superstition and. Uh, anti-science bullshit is fun and games until it's deadly serious in my opinion and yeah. uh you know I, I don't know i i i do know i do know that astrology is dumb and, <laughs> and and made up and it uh, doesn't 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 have any if real predictive value in the world but yeah. hey if you wanted to read them for fun i guess why not sure sure that doesn't seem scary to me at all um i, I just wonder if it's just like a, a passing shot at that kind of phenomenon to like huh Huh. Yeah, that's pseudo scientific uh, thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, what do we make of Ethel Rita's family? Um, what do you say their last name is? Uh, Smutney. Smutney. That's right. They got this interesting racket. That's not a racket. It's a legitimate business where they've got a mortuary that, um, because of the biracial nature of the home, they're able to serve both interest in Kansas City. You know, the white family. Uh, goes to see the dad. The black family goes to see the mom. Um, you would think that would be making a lot of money, but there's this interesting reference that their last state inspection went badly, yeah. and a couple other things. Um, Ethel Rita has his clandestine meeting with a boy uh, to get formaldehyde. Did you pick up on that? Uh huh. Like, why can't her dad, who's a mortician, just get formaldehyde? Well, they may not have but, their license at the moment, right? Like, I, I don't know. That's if, if severe inspe- of trouble. Yeah, if the inspection went that bad, maybe they don't. They can't even operate. Holy shit! Although Holy it's shit. clear they're they're still doing services, right? So right, yeah, they have to be doing something like. But maybe yeah, they're getting the formaldehyde on the slide. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's clear to me that they're going to be some kind. They they already are some kind of bridge. Uh, you know, between the races here, uh, with, mm-hmm. you know, it being a, a mixed race household, um, that kind of thing obviously is not, uh, looked on very kindly in that time period, uh, in that place. And I, I think even more than that, they could be, uh, 
the link that uh, Canon is looking for with the credit card scheme they've got going, the credit card business. Because they, they talk oh, really? a whole bunch about like, oh, the, the black families, uh, the black businesses around the community are running, you know, these credit card operations mm-hmm. um, with all their customers, but they need to break into the white community so that when this hits the big time, they won't just be, you know, their business won't be usurped and, and squashed by the, the white folk. Um, this could be the link into the white community through this mixed race family. I wonder how they do that because, like, um, it seems like the credit that they're being extended is a, is an issue already by the end of the the second episode. That uh, yeah, the, the the rate's already ten percent per month and, and is it going goes up, up from there. Yeah, like year. I mean, the the one thing that could save them is a gang war, though, because boy, that that's a way of really boosting business, and uh, or, they're uniquely or suited in- to. To serve both sides of the war at that point, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. There are services they provide that, that, that the gang war needs. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, you know, you've got a very clearly very wealthy black mafia here who's running banking operations for their community. Mm-hmm. They could come in and clear that debt, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. You know, for, for, the right, for the right favor, um, which yeah. in that case could just be them using credit cards for the white half of their business, right? I guess the problem with that theory is um, Raylan Givens is kicking in their door. Uh, Raylan, of course, is the character that Timothy Oliphant played for six seasons over on Justified. Um, I didn't catch his name in this episode, but he is a federal agent of some sort. Mm -hmm. Um, Is he there because of the canon connection or is he there because it's the two escaped convicts? And is it is it even the same connection? Because um, the the ladies claim and i don't know what what you think of this this claim um but uh, uh is it zelmer roulette and uh <laughs> swanee cap uh-huh did you recognize swanee because you've seen her before I, you know i i know i have i think i can't remember from where she's played by amber mid thunder who was uh the carrie the female carrie twin from uh legion Remember the 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 oh, gal yeah, and girl yeah. who could split apart in the two the two people. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know that she's been in much else. I think she was in an episode or two of Banshee. Um, I didn't even recognize her in, in, until I looked it up. But uh, um, they say that they broke out because they heard that um, Zelma's um, or Zelmer's Ethelreda's mom is Zelmer's. Sister. sister i yeah. think yeah 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 but they heard that they were getting in 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 uh debt to this this cannon operation and broke out to help him out like you know mano a mano style so yeah he could be there if he's in a, is in a, in a role of u.s marshal because like what the marshal service does a lot is you know go after uh uh you know escaped criminals and convicts and whatnot yeah. uh or they he could be there to investigate some kind of mob connection with the, the black mafia um, and, and impossible and they, to say. They, they, you know, Timothy Elephant runs up to the house. He kicks in the door, and he kicked in my heart too because the episode ends there, and I was so I was looking so... forward to to Marshall Elephant going ham on these people. The to- the, the the whole two hours, I was like, okay, all uh-huh. right, there's Houston, all right, he's there's the one cop that showed up. Oh, he's working for the Fadas. Okay, interesting. Okay, now where's fucking Oliphant? Right. Where's Deadwood? Where's Justified? I need I need that injected into my veins. And I thought, yeah, I got massive case of cinematic weekly television blue balls by 
<laughs> by them fake cutting the the black right there. Yeah. Uh I'm looking forward to next week though. More than ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be real real good. Where do we want to go from here? Uh I like those those two. That that pair that escaped from prison. Um I, I don't know why. Real fun. There's something yeah, there's something fun about them. There's an energy there. Uh I think those, that's a, that's a raising it. doing great stuff that's the raising arizona kind of energy that they're bringing the escape convict also the the oh brother where art thou kind of energy you're Um, right there's some country music playing as they're escaping Mm -hmm. the prison and i think like they're definitely invoking that film uh yeah yeah, like robin one fancy robin a fancy uh high society lady for her lipstick and stockings then a fucking cowboy robin, robin I, some cowboy wanting to, to give free mustache rides or whatever he was doing i i yeah their introduction was a hoot it was a oh, lot yeah. of fun uh 100%. i'm 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 really looking forward to seeing what they ended then they, they seem like they're fairly dangerous people um i guess one of the things that wasn't in these first two episodes from the trailer was that girl you got a panty on your head that, that yeah. thing uh so i'm, I'm looking Direct. forward to when they start doing jobs you know apparently the marshal is not going to bust in there and capture them today yeah uh, apparently um yeah that's a direct raising arizona reference from the trailer we forgot to mention something with mayflower uh when she killed the head of the fada the don fada she sucked off his ring right from his finger right right yeah 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 that could have gone a lot of places (laughs) Uh um which was really creepy and disturbing is it going to go anywhere? Because we we saw the mom, the mother was like weeping and wailing and accusing one of the sons of stealing it because you couldn't wait till his body. Is that like the ring, like the ring that people kiss? Like that's the symbol of family power ring. Like, is that going to be, um, maybe that's a direction we can go to next to, to talk about the, the uneasy, I don't know, sharing of power that Jodo and uh, Gaetano, is that his name? Gaetano? Mm -hmm. Old world versus the new world, yeah. Yeah, old world versus new world. Uh, Is that ring going to figure centrally? Uh, No, that's a good question. I think it is supposed to be that, that, uh, you know, that symbolic family ring. Um, Yeah, it's, hmm. What are they going to do with that? I don't really know. Because they do, it's it's something you're supposed to notice. Mm-hmm. He, he's very prominently stolen. They bring it up again, and uh, you know, like, I, 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 Jodo's kind of like, you know, don't, yeah, whatever, mom. Um, so maybe it's not going to be anything. But they 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 mentioned it, and I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like in a real life mafia, they just make a new ring. You know, like maybe they they probably kill a couple people, torture a few people to see it who stole it. You know, um, yeah. but then but then uh, they just get a new ring. Uh, I can't imagine that it would be some kind of like fucking the one ring from Sauron that has to be gotten or no yeah. one can rule Middle Earth, you know? I don't think it's going to reduce their power, but I, I think it's something that, you know, it's it's symbolic of so much. Like, there, there's one line that they have where I think it's Gatano says, uh, you know, the mantra, it's business, family, country. And I think that mm. ring represents like all three of those things to them. So... Mm it's symbolically very important um assuming it's the ring that we think it is you know it's funny because like when i see uh jason schwartzman and i'd never seen this guy that they got playing uh gaetano um apparently he's I, I guess been he's in italian uh you know a syndicate yeah, this show called gamora drama. yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's he's kind of well regarded. But I thought that they were going to be kind of like jokey characters. You know, I see this guy, he's kind of like this chubby dude. I'm thinking this is going to be like a Laurel and Hardy. No, he's the he's the heavy. Yeah. And from what I know, two seasons, two episodes in, I don't like Jodo seems very Fredo, and uh, you know, Gatano's looking very sunny. Yeah. Uh, from a Godfather perspective, I don't think that Jodo can win this fight. Like, I feel like. Uh, 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 Gaetano is made for the land of taking and killing, and yeah. Joto is is was raised in the land of kind of like giving and receiving, like you know, kind of business is business. How the hell does does Joto win over that? Unless he maybe him and Loy, uh, you know, like Loy picks his pocket and and an offer of protection or something like that. Yeah, uh, Loy being Chris Rock's character. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh- Okay, look, I, I like Jason Schwartzman um, in almost everything I've seen him in. Pro- probably everything I've seen him in. Maybe sure. up until now. Big I, fan. I don't think he's bad in this. I just think there are much better choices. Um, he brings the comedy element, certainly, that you want in that character. But I don't know that he brings the the seriousness to me. Uh, it, it's tough to take him seriously in this role. And it's not really thing, his fault. I just think that's the kind of actor he is. Well, but 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 you know, Holly's not an idiot. He's no fool. Sure. He knows Jason Schwartzman's kind of stature and reputation coming into it. Like he can play off menacing in like a Scott Pilgrim production when right. he's facing off against another Michael fairly Sarah. unimpressed. Yeah. yeah, you can bully Michael Sarah, Jason uh-huh. Schwartzman. Absolutely, I believe you can bully Michael Sarah. Um, you know, Raging Bull. Fresh off the boat from Sicily, I, I don't don't know so much. But they make it clear yeah. that he's got the political connections. Sure. He's fucking one of the alderman's daughters. He's forging these political alliances. Maybe that's what he's going to have. Because, you know, um, I, I guess if you have muscle on the streets and you got muscle in, like, City Hall, you'd probably rather have the City Hall muscle, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're both they're both useful, but like one one well, is a lot City more Hall, useful than the other. You've got the police force on your side, which right. becomes your muscle. You know, right? So. They can just execute people legally, um, right? <laughs> today and back in 1950s for sure. Yeah. So I I wonder if that's going to be because um, I don't know. I I, I want to say it's like well, Jason Schwartzman's the 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 smart one, and the Gaetano is the dumb one, but I don't even get that. Like guy. They, they, you know, he, he had the, the he's, he mentions this Il Duce. Do you know they're referring to Mo, Mo, Mussolini? Yeah. And apparently, I, I don't know much about Mussolini's connections with the Italian mafia. Um, that's a whole new era of re, uh, research I'd have to undergo, and I don't Same particularly here. want to. Um, but he's representing that, like, you know, they essentially were the power behind the throne, and they swept that power away. They were the ones that hung him up. So apparently, got got a a a, a Sucret's tin of his teeth. He uh-huh. keeps in his pocket to remind him of of uh, you know business family. Uh, what was it? Business country. Uh, country. Country. Yeah, he put business, you know, and family obviously ahead of country there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I it's 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 really early in the scorecard, but like I feel like just Gaetano's way ahead. He is the muscle. He's the one um, that looks like they're going to be running the cannons off of the 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 property. Yeah, and you, as as much as I'm not like a a big fan of Schwartzman in this role, I think Chris Rock was the other side of that coin. Like he mm. he's I was pretty impressed by his performance. It's not flashy. I don't think it's perfect, but it is. Th- there's an intelligence behind it 
um, yes, that that really worked for me. Uh, and and yeah, I guess no, I hadn't it, expected that from a guy that I don't think I've ever seen do drama. Also, I I think it, I've seen him in a couple of Saturday Night Live appearances in the last few years, but I would have been shocked to see how old he's playing too. Hmm. You know, yeah. like I, I still I feel like when I think of Chris Rock, he's eternally frozen into like that, you know, uh, like 90s uh, HBO comedy series, yeah. like, you know, run around, dropping a microphone, wearing a leather suit kind of stuff. Now he's 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 getting to be old. He's an old man now. Sure. Um, and uh, I actually I thought it was interesting. So this process of, uh, you know, exchanging sons as hostage. This is, you know, going back to talk about the Game of Thrones. This is straight out of the Game of Thrones playbook. Right. Um what utility does it have? Is it this? Is this some kind of bizarre game of rock paper scissors? Because they they do a brief recounting of the gangster history of Kansas City, and at no time that exchanging the sons ever lead to any peace. And this thing, this process repeated like every ten to twenty years. Yeah, is this some kind of weird like it's a meta game? Like it's like rock paper scissors where there's some psychology behind it because it seems both people go into this knowing that this is not. This is not this is not something that solves things. This is just yet another level of political posturing. And I think that's entirely the point. Like the cyclical nature of like the futility of trying to change things. It's it's yeah, those patterns that people and society get stuck in uh, that just perpetuate themselves over and over again because because yeah. people are you know just reluctant to try another way. Um, definitely is supposed to be there. Do you think there's some foreshadowing because uh, Rabbi um, Mulligan Milligan um, was the twice jilted son of the Irish mafia that mm-hmm. kind of rebelled against his father the second time? In fact, I thought it was a very confusing scene. It was. It didn't. It, it didn't immediately occur to me that that was the same boy that they exchanged. Um, yeah. And it was like I, I thought. So I finally caught up to that. But like, what do you make of the fact that like the the hostages are being treated very differently in the Fada versus um, Cannon family? I feel like, like at the end, part, yeah, the, like the Fada kids eating with the family for Thanksgiving, this modest feast where the Fadas are over there enjoying this lavish wait, the table groaning with all this food, and then upstairs with the off with the neglected uh, rabbi. Uh, uh, this this uh, satchel, poor satchel's eating alone, just two slices of stale bread and water, like yeah. It, 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 to to me, it was very much um of a piece with the forward looking uh the, the forward looking canon uh versus the status quo fadas. You know, like this mm. child exchange thing was something that uh canon's going along with simply because that's the only way to keep the peace and bide your time while you're forward looking with your credit card schemes your banking schemes you're forward looking uh with you know your patience just saying hey we're gonna you know we're gonna slowly move in here um and take this over before you know they they realize what's happened we'll we'll have their business that kind of thing i feel like there's much more forward looking in the the black mafia side of this thing than there is in the Italian mafia side. And I think yeah. that's just what they're going for. This new generation is is smarter. Like, because if you look at how, like you said, how he, how the Italian child is being treated in the black home, it's, it's, they're making him part of the family. Like, they're genuinely bringing him in, whereas the other kid is being treated like an outsider the entire time. 
Yeah, like Loy's actually trying to like, like you're not my kid, but you're my responsibility, so I'm going to teach you a couple things. Like, here's how you know when people respect you. Here's how you know when yeah. people are doing. Like, whereas, and and I feel like that there's something in that. Like, uh, you saw how the the child was treated um, in the 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 little history lesson they gave, and it seemed like that's pivotal to who wins the war. Yeah. Well, I mean, it might be giving away the plot that. Uh, and plus, I've seen American Gangster. I know how this goes. Uh, right, right. <laughs> might be giving a plot away that, like, you know, Loy's doing the right thing and doing right by this kid, and that's going to be good for him in the long run. Yeah. Um, I, and I, and, and I, it's I, the, part of the the message, you know, of of this immigrant story of America, right? That like, it doesn't matter the color of your skin or the the background that you have, what country you come from. Like, you're all here doing the same thing, and if you treat each other with respect that works out for you in the long term. Whereas if you treat each other like outsiders and stay insular, you get run right. over by the next guy who doesn't. Right. 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 Um, no, I, I, I thought that was those, those key differences in how they treated are interesting. I really like the pol- the gang politics. Yeah. Um, like uh, I could listen to Loy and Dr. Senator strategize uh, all the, all day long. Yeah. Uh, is this, and, and Dr. Sinister is actually a legit doctor too. Didn't they say he's he a PhD in doc in, in, in economics? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I thought that was the, 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 the interview they had with the banker was really funny, but like them trying to like, well, you know, you got the, you got the, the, the two different types of lions and, you know, uh, them being like patient and bold and you know one of them caged and that's Johto I guess is the caged lion which I thought was wild and versus the one on the wall but like them coming to the idea of like you know what this guy died right after a meeting let's just you ask him about the stockyards uh let's act like he just gave it to us and you know like like see what happens mm-hmm. I thought that was really that that's really interesting. Like, you know, hey, we don't know, like they don't have their heads together, but they got this new guy that looks like he's strong. Let's just probe their flanks, let's probe their weaknesses, let's see what we can get away with. And I thought the scene of them going in and taking over the stockyards was really funny. Dr. Senator's like remark about the the rats. Like, I think you're overestimating your foe's intelligence uh-huh. <laughs> and comprehension. Um, it's great because it's it's a great line, but also feels very heavy with portent and foreshadowing too. Mm-hmm. And I love the way they're they're using the uh, cow killing machines. Um, and that scene is a lot like the the cap guns they were and the BB gun that they were using earlier. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a it serves to ratchet up the tension and keep everybody on edge. Uh, that's good stuff. I like all the musical cues associated with the Cannon Gang. Like every time you're looking at their machine operating, like this garage where it's like they're running numbers, massive amounts of money going through because of the credit stuff and the the, the money counting machines going off, and it's all got this kind of like really jazzy improvisational stuff going on, but like up tempo. Um, I, I thought that was really good. Um, yeah, the, the music in the show is is very good. Um, has always been very good, but it's it's kind of a different vibe this season um you know they're using Mm -hmm. the different flavors of the different crime organizations to influence what what music they're playing like a lot of the italian uh families stuff is like solo piano kind of tunes um, right in in that very like 30s gangster Uh kind of vibe which i i really liked and then like you said the horns and the jazz and stuff for the uh the canon family I can't wait till that start. I bet that stuff is going to start really going into a duet 
by the time oh, you get like yeah. some some gang landscape that's going to like mix in a very interesting <laughs> way i bet uh-huh. i bet um but no i i i really like that there's another character that kind of like stepped forward into the camera to for us to take advantage uh notice of this leon whittle who tries to impress dr right. senator before with his un- grasp of education and strategy before the raid on the stockyard, which I thought was amazing, they run in. It, it looks like uh, like you're you're gearing up for an anchorman fight. <laughs> the guy's uh-huh. got like a hook an and a pick. baseball bat, <laughs> an ice pack. Some guy, one guy's got a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they just he just gets introduced. Nothing much comes of it. Um, but I think he's uh, he's he's stepping forward as a, maybe a main character that's going to be developed on the on the Fada side. I'm not sure. Who we're supposed to take? There's they got their consigliere whose name I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got the the um, uh, Jack Houston uh, as the Weff detective, um, I, I, and they got the two main guys. But the can and canon, it's it's clearly you got uh, you got Loy, you got Doctor Senator, and you got this uh, Leon Whittle. Yeah, um, and, He's a cousin of somebody I didn't catch. Yeah, happy. I don't. I don't think we know who that is, um, unless Happy's his name cousin, was yeah. captioned in the original, you know, meeting of the two families. I, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. The other scene that I really loved was that banking scene, and you mentioned it briefly. Uh, but they go in and they pitch uh, this. Uh, what's? I don't even remember. A financial the the instrument. <laughs> yeah, but they <laughs> they're pitch pitching a financial cards. instrument. Um, oh yeah, to, it's, it's to a savings and loan. Yeah. Yeah, to to this banker. It's just really funny. Like the set pieces they use illustrate everything you need to know. They they come in with this like very very futuristic uh, sort of thing, right? They're using new technologies and plastic to create lightweight cards that people can use to to look like they're rich, um, look like they're wealthy. And and you know his response is, "Oh, that's not what banks do. Taking advantage of people. That's that's not a bank's business." Uh, which obviously that's that's going to change. Some, somewhere and they can, along the line and there's this like it's such a great scene because they juxtapose this very mo- like we know credit cards are going yeah. to for good or ill transform finances and consumer yeah. consumer consumerism in the united and across the world right mm-hmm. and they juxtapose this with this creaky old guy who's using pneumatic tubes to go. communicate yeah like i just i just love it and and the thing is is like a lot of people made it like, well, this guy's just not going to hear the black guys out. And I, there's definitely an element to that. But I also think mm-hmm. what he said about like charging high interest rates and, and de- deceiving people and getting them to live, that's not what banking's all about. That's a point, too, because I think that's kind of what banking used to be about. Like, you know, think about uh, uh, that that was something that was in A, a Wonderful Life, right? You got Jimmy Stewart. It's a good banker. He's there for the community. He's he's there for everyone. That's how people build houses. That's how people grow businesses. That's how people get the American dream. And you got the other banker who's just like a vulture taking over everybody. Yeah. Um. I feel like there was a war for the soul of banking in this country, and the soulless vampires won. Like mm-hmm. this guy's bank got bought out by fucking Chase Manhattan, J.P. Chase Manhattan, like twenty years ago. And yeah. they didn't, they because that's what happened to me. I used to bank at a small town bank. It got sold to a regional bank. That got sold to a national bank. That got sold to fucking Chase. And that's what you know. I I never moved my accounts. I just got shifted up to this global conglomerate. Yeah. Um, they'll absolutely fuck you for money. That's that's what banking's all about. Yeah. I, I thought it worked both ways. It could be racism. It could just be old school versus. It could be Jimmy Stewart versus. Uh, I forget the the evil villain of the. 
uh god damn it what was it hooter he had the the ville <laughs> right potter remember it's potter potterville it was the pot yeah old man potter evil old man potter yeah the final thing i want to talk about is an artistic touch and, and maybe this was in other fargo seasons i don't remember it um it felt like something that holly kind of innovated in in legion but the almost comic book style division of frames mm, yeah. uh where you have this, like, you know, these scene transitions where they have multiple takes and angles that are all kind of sliding and transforming and informing each other. Um, what did you think of that? Because I thought it... At first, I thought, well, this is kind of, like, gimmicky, but then the more they did it, the more I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually... They're accentuating isolation of characters. Um, they're showing alliances forming. Uh, they're showing, tra- you know, like you, the, the theme of this episode is transitions of power and whatnot. I thought that some of that visual imagery and metaphor worked really well in this in this episode, these two episodes. What did you think of it? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, the, the only one that I can really note, actually, there were two. Um, the one that I remember mostly is I think when they were showing the outlaws um, escaping from mm-hmm. prison, they did one that looked sort of like bars over the top of mm-hmm. them, uh, you know, like cell bars. Um, and then there was another one where they transitioned. I want to say it was maybe the banking thing where they transitioned with uh, uh, some bullets in the top frame, um, the scene in the middle frame, and then an American flag in the bottom frame, which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to how they use it as the season goes on yeah there's so much foreshadowing too because like they they mentioned uh, ethel rita has this kind of persistent voiceover which is another uh raising arizona nod yeah um that the highs running commentary throughout the the scene the, the salad days and <laughs> my wife's womb was a rocky place where my seed could not take purchase uh but she mentions that like uh it, it's it's you know, you get you get fat and complacent, and then the person that's hungrier takes hungrier takes you over. And I couldn't help but thinking about that. You know, all the other foreshadowing of like the cannon's eventual victory over the Fattas, it came down to that Thanksgiving scene where like it's not like the cannons are starving, but their table was modestly set, mm-hmm. and they're actually celebrating Thanksgiving in kind of like an almost devout kind of way. You know, like Nick uh, Loy's taking a stab at. Talk, you know, being thankful about the kind of, you know, good old fashioned American values, essentially, you know, like, Lord, you filled this land with injustice to give us something to do. You made us strong so we can protect the weak. Uh, you made the meek so, to inherit the earth. And uh, there's all this stuff. And then you go to the father's table and it's like huge. Uh, it's just groaning with food. Everybody's eating and drinking at to the detriment of the you know, the the weak outsider members of their family, um, mm-hmm. Rabbi Mulligan and, or Milligan and all that. I, I thought that was really great. And then the other thing is, you know, people like to spot the connections to seasons. And we, we made a passing reference, but I want to make it explicit. Mike Milligan, one of the best things in season two, was sent as an enforcer from the Kansas City Mafia. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Milligan, white guy who is essentially the guardian of this adopted black boy. Connection? Did we just see Mike Milligan's Oregon story? I mean, his name is Satchel. Oregon origin story? Satchel. That's not a proper name. If you're going to go travel, you got to take a name like Mike. Sure. Yeah, his his undercover name. 
because uh, he had also he had Mike. he had all the forward thinking uh, business ideas for his bosses that they weren't ready for too. Like there's okay. a lot of similarities. Um, yeah. Maybe and like it's I said, totally possible. I hope this doesn't put off anybody that I talked into watching season four because, like, I look this this happens. There's always this fun little spec. It's kind of it's exactly the same way of American Horror Story when you know, like, oh, this takes place and wasn't that the state that they say had the spooky insane asylum and didn't that nurse it? It's that kind of like you know expanded universe kind of fun that we're having here. I yeah. really don't think it's it's going to. Uh, it might inform your if you go back and watch season two of uh, Fargo. It might inform that experience but yeah the, I, I don't think it's going to have anything to do but just a, a fun name game no not whenever fargo does this none of it matters to the plot of, yeah. of the current season so you're not going to miss anything if you don't know who mike milligan is right it's just a fun little spot spot the connection game we're playing yeah uh that's that's all i got to say about i mean i could probably talk forever because there's just there was a ton of characters and a ton of history and uh, a lot of notes but um no, I, I, it's a great episode. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this all plays out in the, the weeks and months ahead. Uh, do you want to consider some feedback? Yeah, let's do it. We don't have a lot this week, and it probably is, has something to do with the fact that uh, Fargo at BaldMove.com didn't, was, was, was misdirected into the void. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. One intrepid person had something that they wanted to be they wanted to be heard on, so they got the bounce message and they sent it to our general inbox. And I I thank you for doing that, because um, it's really that cool story. Is, it's is rectified now, right? We have fixed it. So okay. if you want to send us feedback from now on, uh, you can do so. Fargo at baldmove.com. Also, forums.baldmove.com has discussion threads on the episodes. That might be a good place to discuss it as well. Uh, but Mark and Rogers Park wrote in. Um, they did a lot of filming in his hometown of this season. And he sent us a lot of nice pictures. It says, I'm a big fan of your Fargo podcast. In your preview podcast for the new season of Fargo, Aaron remarked that the COVID-related delay releasing the show in September instead of April is good in at least one way because the snow seems to fit better in autumn or winter anyway. You also hope to see snow on the ground during the season? Let me assure you, you will. How do I know? Because a house on my street less than a block away from mine was a location for this season, the King of Tears Mortuary. <laughs> okay. That's the, the Smutney family's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I live in Chicago's northernmost lakeside neighborhood, Rogers Park, and I got to watch the process for several weeks scattered between last November and February of this year. And then again in the first week of this month when the show returned to get the final two days of necessary shooting to wrap the season. We did not have much snow provided by nature while we were here, uh, while they were here last winter, but it was cold enough that snow generated by machines could be added. Attached are some pictures I took of the location, as well as many of the vintage vehicles staged in the street near my house. The bus, for example, is parked right across the street from me when I took that picture. Um, yeah, these are I, I th- these were these were a lot of fun. Uh, I asked for his permission. I don't. I imagine he'll give it to me. But I asked for his permission to publish some of these photos on our official Twitter at Bald Move. Um, if you want to see some of the the behind the scenes, it's there's no spoilers. Um, but yeah, you definitely see snow on the ground, which I'm happy to see. Didn't see it in this episode, but you know what? We just got to Thanksgiving. I wouldn't expect yeah. a lot of snow on the ground. Uh, in Kansas City before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. but uh, looking forward to seeing it later in, as as the winds of the war blow cold. Yeah, uh, that, that's one thing we didn't talk about that we should probably mention is the costuming is great, and and Fargo always has great costuming. Noah Hawley in general always works with great costumers, uh, but this stuff, the, the way they've you know delineated the families just with their looks, um, is 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 
it works really well for me. Uh, like seeing, you know, just, oh, the Irish are wearing different hats, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of easy to do it with the, the the Jews because they have their own attire for sure. Sure. Um, but then even like, uh, you know, the Black Mafia has their own set of like hats and coats that are mm-hmm. similar but different and like. Sure. I don't know. I wonder what the, the underworld gangs look like now. Is it is it all just like. A lot of tracksuits and sweatpants. If I, yeah, for moderns, it's it's a lot of a lot of yeah tracksuits and gold chains and yeah, you know, Eastern European accents. Uh, I'm I'm gathering. All right, it's a but, lot of John Wick uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's being like, and you wonder like, um, I've heard that some of that stuff is like eating its own tail. Like popularized depictions of things shape. Oh sure, you know, it like like to. how how. Happy and then like then that shapes things the like depictions and it, you know, it the, it's just like a you know narcissistic uh, cycle that they go through. But those cars, um, like he mentioned, you know those being on his block, those are beautiful cars. They got are all kinds too. I saw like Plymouths and Lincolns and Fords and Mercuries. It's just yeah, every flavor of those old timey cars that they're really good looking. Big big white walls. Big, yep. huge mayonnaise white walls on these things uh, that you don't don't really see much today. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it's 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 cool, and uh, I'm I'm glad you sent. Actually, I just I just checked the mailbox. He did grant me pictures to release uh, to to release these pictures. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna post the some of them on the the bald move Twitter feed later today if you want to check that out. Um, but yeah, I think that's. Uh, that's a Fargo podcast. We'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, you can slow down and do it an episode at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll we'll be back for the the third episode next week, next Tuesday. Of course, the Fargo premiere er, comes out on 9 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, hope to see you back then. Until then, oh, also, yeah, send send all your feedback to Fargo at baldmove.com. And uh, until next week, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>